Hello, Bitcoiners. Colin here. In this episode of the Unhashed Podcast, can the Bank of England offer any criticisms to Bitcoin that could not be leveled right back at fiat, only worse? Will we ever find a secure way to use biometrics to access private keys and sign transactions? And is there any chance Ripple will ever take responsibility for XRP? Or is the coin and all of its hodlers doomed to be left holding the Ripple bag? Find out the answers to these and other questions in this episode of the Unhashed Podcast. See you on the other side. It's the Unhashed Podcast. Colin, Brian, Ruben, Mario. It's the Unhashed Podcast. Telling everything that they know about the world of Bitcoin. The world of Bitcoin. Where they don't trust, they verify. You can fork yourself if you don't abide. Talking whales and bear whales, oh. Stupid ICOs, Colin, Brian, Ruben, and Mario. It's the Unhashed Podcast. The Unhashed Podcast. It's the Unhashed Podcast. The Unhashed Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Unhashed Podcast, a show where we bring crypto down to earth and cut through all the blockchain bullshit. I'm your host, Colin Alds, and I'm here with your co-hosts, Mario, the Maple Leaf. Gibney, how's it going, Mario? Good. How's everyone doing? And my brother, Brian, the belt buckle Alds. How's it going, Brian? What's up? There he is. There he is. And unfortunately, we have a new prodigal son to the show, Ruben the Windmill Sampson. I am I regret to say is not here with us today. He is, well, he's off doing something. We're not sure what he's doing, giving a speech, doing something important because, well, I guess he's just got better credentials than we do because we weren't invited to go talk anywhere. But alas, maybe one day we will. Although I will say something interesting that happened this week. I, and then Brian, was invited onto Vortex's show, but neither of us could make it. So we had to regretfully turned down that invitation, but we yeah. wanted to thank Vortex for that invitation anyway. It was with a very sad heart I had to say no to that. Yeah, yeah. It was just uh, too short a notice, but maybe next time. So invite us again. Um, yeah, so what's been up with you guys? Mario? Oh, um, I had a nice weekend off. Relaxed. It was the first time in actually a few months I had like nothing to do. I was, I was going to head down to Seattle um, and uh, meet up with some of the Bitcoiners down there. But uh, we ended up postponing to, I'll probably go down there in January or February instead. And uh, yeah, I mean. I bet, th- I bet they uh, were C-saddled not to have you there. Yeah, probably. I, C- C-saddled? I, I don't, is C-saddled I don't know, it's like thing? sad, sad, so you're not oh, okay. sad and yeah. C-saddled? I don't know. It's a, it's a tough joke, but. No, that was good, Colin. That was good. Um, well, no one laughed, so it wasn't that good. <laughs> there you go, Brian. Brian's laughing at <laughs> um, Brian's laughing at at my embarrassment, probably. Uh, yes. Yeah. So, um, so I didn't go well, to so Seattle. That's, that's what I did so this you, week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So that's that's what I didn't do. We're we're basically just naming all the things we didn't do. We didn't go um, on Vortex show. Know, we didn't go to Seattle. I, 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 I didn't ride an elephant this I, weekend. Um, <laughs> 
Um, I've been preparing. I'm going to be going to England in about two weeks. Um, in, in exactly two weeks, I will be arriving in, in London. So uh, I've been, I would say I've been preparing for the trip, but I, I booked my Airbnb. So that's kind of preparing. I'm pretty sure I'm just going to be packing like the day before or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It hasn't been a terribly exciting week on my end, as you can tell. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's okay. They can't all be great. Brian, what about you? I've uh, been getting Bill Foddle ready for Black Friday. Um, so that's that's exciting. Oh, um, oh, wait, wait, sorry. Yeah, we launched uh, we launched the Blockstream Medals on oh, yeah. the Blockstream oh, store. I, I, I wasn't going to mention it if you weren't, but, well, no, you know. No, no, of course we should mention it. Well, that's kind of like the three of us sort of did a yeah, lot yeah. of that stuff. It's, um, yeah. it's out now, so I guess it's not a secret anymore. Yeah, yeah. like for, for those who don't know um, – yeah, so Brian and Colin are the dudes doing Bill Fodel, and uh, I help manage things in Blockstream's online store, and we collaborated and uh, created the Blockstream Metal, which is a custom uh, custom Bill Fodel, which, uh, yeah, it's a Bill Fodel with like Blockstream designs and really cool laser engraving on there, and you can, uh, you can get them on our store. And so we finally got out the door um, after a few, uh, few hiccups along the way, but uh, I think they look pretty good. Yeah, 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 I think they look great. And so, if you uh, want a billfoddle with custom Blockstream, you know, art and design on it, then you should go over to the Lightning Store and buy one. Or if you just want a regular plain one, then you can go to billfoddle.com and buy one. So it's up to you. You choose. They're the, the same Blockst- price. So the Blockstream ones do look pretty dope, though. I got to admit, sweet. Yeah, yeah, they look real sweet. Very cool. Cool packaging. I have it sitting right here. Uh, a blank package because I don't actually have any Blockstream metal in it. But the packaging is very cool. And I'm tempted to try and nab your designer to redesign our box so we can have a box like this too. In time. Maybe for the uh, for the uh, multi-shard that we're... Ooh. No. Ooh. I think maybe we'll try and... Yeah. That's is that, do, do people know there. what that Ooh, is? Wow, or is that teaser. just... A, Everyone else. I don't know, Brian. Do we, do we, I, do I mean, I'm, I'm also kind of going, what's a multi-shot? I don't really know what it is, but I guess we'll get to that in a later episode, won't we? Maybe. Maybe, yeah. Maybe we'll maybe we'll keep that to ourselves for now. I think you could probably figure out what it is, though. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I guess that does it for the intros. Uh, we have no corrections to last week, unlike the week before where I corrected myself on the very important topic of Wu-Tang Clan, so... Uh, thankfully, I have nothing to, to correct myself on last week. I don't think that you guys do either. Otherwise, you would have put a note here. So if you don't, then we can go ahead and move on to the weekly news wrap-up because it's a bit long, long in the tooth this week. We have seven items on the list, guys. This is a very long list. Uh, so I think we should probably just jump into it. And the first one just says Bank of England. Now, I didn't write this note. <laughs> I think Brian might have written this note. So I'm going to let you take it away here because I'm I'm just along for the ride on this one, I think. Yeah, so I put this one in there. I should have been more specific about uh, uh, about what the topic was, but um, a John Lewis wrote an article titled "The Seven Sorry The Seven Deadly Paradoxes of Cryptocurrency," um, and it kind of uh, went oh, through a lot of the. Uh, Rubini's points that did I pronounce his right name right? I think it's Rubini, I believe. Rubini, okay. Yeah, Nuriel that, that Rubini. He, that he laid out um, for like when he was testifying in front of Congress, um, and I believe that this was it. It's posted on 
bankunderground.co.uk, uh, which um, I believe is uh, one of the uh, sites. It's a blog uh, for the Bank of England a, staff. Yeah, yeah, ah. a, a blog staff by the Bank of England. Oh, so, this looks like a really, really like scammy blog. Yeah, yeah, you would think that looking at it, but it, it seems to be coming from pretty official people. Well, maybe so it's, like, it's like the ICO principle, like, you know, the better the website looks, mm. the more the content. This is supposed right, to be, though, right. like, yeah. you know, <laughs> let's look it's as... Got the, it's got the nice, like, word, uh, like, in the categories on the right-hand side, it's got, like, the word map with, like, different sized font based on... Oh, right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah so. based on search volume and tax. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah. Yeah. So they're, that, they're going one step above the 1997 softball team. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Right, right. But, this, but is just like barely. The, this is like the very first blog ever written, basically. That's what yeah. it looks like. I, I gotta say though, the like the title of this blog post is a bit over the top. Like it sounds like uh like the seven deadly paradoxes of cryptocurrency. It's like I didn't know I think like, it I think it's I a play think on seven deadly thinking. sins. Yeah, yeah but it's it, like I, seven I mean, deadly I, sins, I think. Yeah. I okay. It's gonna kill us, is it? No. Uh, so anyway, look just the only reason I even bring this up is, okay, so we've got uh, Rubini testifying for Congress and now this out of the Bank of England. Um, and so it just kind of, it, and they're raising a lot of the same points, which makes me think like, okay, this is the new playbook of the powers that be. Uh, these are the points they're going to, that they think resonate against Bitcoin right now. So I'll, I'll just read the first, uh, kind of the first, the intro paragraph, and then we can kind of break down. We won't go through all seven because it's kind of long, but uh, go through the paradoxes and just kind of see like, you know, how are they kind of twisting the arguments and and, and what counterpoints are there available and, um, you know, see where the discussion goes from there. So the, sure. The opening paragraph is, will people in 2030 buy goods, get mortgages, or hold pension pots in Bitcoin, Ethereum, or Ripple rather than central bank-issued currencies? I doubt it. Existing private currencies do not seriously threaten traditional monies because they are affected by multiple internal contradictions. They are hard to scale, are expensive to store, cumbersome to maintain, tricky for holders to liquidate, almost worthless in theory and boxed in by their anonymity. And if newer cryptocurrencies ever emerge to solve these problems, the addition that's additional downside news for the existing ones. So what well, were you going to say them, Colin? Oh no, no. I just, I was just like kind of agreeing yeah. that it says that. I don't know what that mm-hmm was for, but okay. just go on. <laughs> um, you did so well, Brian. Just- you did well. Good job on reading that paragraph. Bravo. <laughs> Brian can read. <laughs> you got um, it right. You got all of it right. <laughs> so let's just go right in. Uh, the first uh, one was, uh, it's called the congestion paradox. So basically mm-hmm. it centers around uh, cryptos can't scale because for a crypto to be valuable, a lot of people need to use it. But if there's a lot of people using it, then they'll be too expensive for anyone to use because of transaction fees. Um, so I think this totally negates that you know new tech will come along, uh, and we, we're already kind of seeing the beginnings of that uh, in like Lightning Network and side chains and know, stuff. You know, I'm actually gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say this is a pretty valid point they have. I think they're they're a bit too dismissive. But I think overall, this is like 
we don't know if we'll be able to solve this problem. Well, it sounds like he's saying that it sounds like he's almost making the point that I was making that for for these ever to become widely used, they need to be worth a lot more per coin. And for that to happen, there needs to be tons of volatility to raise the price higher. It's not quite saying. that. They're, they're saying it's got to be used by a lot of people. And in order to be used, by, it has to have like high throughput. It's just the scaling issue expressed again. Oh, you know? okay. Like it's not particularly yeah. useful now, the price volatility, because not many people use it. So it's not so much about market cap um, or like, you know, the price going up. It's just about increasing throughput. It's, it's, just, it's just the scaling issue phrased in a different way. Oh, yeah. Well, then that, that doesn't seem like a. I mean, it's probably the best. Well, I guess we'll get to the other ones, but it's probably the best argument. But I don't know if it's really, as Brian said, it's it's kind of. Well, I, I think the jury. You, you, you could you you could have said this about almost any technology at some point. Yeah, yeah, I, sure, that's sure. what I was going to say. But it's I mean, like a lot cars more. in, you know, nineteen twenty were really shitty. Like, okay, well, and expensive well, cars well, are never going to get better. Well, but the thing is, I mean, you got to be careful because a lot of technologies like didn't end up working, you know, like we still don't have like fission reactors, you know, and I don't think we can say, oh, like, I mean, this is a pretty big, but but, uh, but fission reactors, the non-existence of fission reactors wasn't about scaling. Well, neither was cars. I mean, like, well, yeah, I mean, mean, you, 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 maybe I misunderstood the, the, the the argument there, but I mean, like, like we don't actually know whether or not this stuff scales. The jury's still kind of out. Like, I mean, I'm optimistic that it can get to a point where the price will be stable and we'll see if we can actually get to. But he seems he seems to be saying that he seems to be saying that that it can't because of some paradox. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I, I don't completely agree with the article, but I just figure like, I mean, listen, the rest of it's going to be pretty garbage. I'm pretty sure. So I'm just trying yeah. to <laughs> trying to give him some points here. Um, uh, I, I think this is I, a I legitimate criticism. I think that they're a bit but they're definitely a bit too dismissive, I think. Like, oh, it doesn't scale well. Boom. Like you know, we well we'll see. Give us give us a decade or so. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, so this uh, the next paradox is the storage paradox, which uh, kind of goes in play with scaling. The the both of these are scaling issues, um, and it says basically if there's an increase in users and transactions, then if you're going to run a full node, then you you need uh, an in squared fold increase in storage. Oh, so, th- th- this is just this is this is just a shittier version of the scaling criticism. Yeah. So yeah, uh, we'll, it completely ignores we'll, second layers. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we'll never find any way to um, you know find more efficient ways to. Uh, pack tran- like one transaction into a byte, basically, um, is what it boils down to. Which, like, if you look at data storage and compression, and you know, it just kind of flies in the face of uh, what we've seen over the last well like, forty years. Yeah, I mean, I th- well, I, I don't think even that's kind of a thing because if we can't scale on second layer, like. Then I think that I don't think our technology was fast enough to keep up. But again, this this is just based on a it, it, the author apparently just has no clue that lightning network or side chains or state chains or well and or, and both of these both of these paradoxes ignore Bitcoin Satoshi's vision with 120 megabyte blocks. So I mean, with that, with like, no problems, absolutely. It's, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's basically yeah. solved it anyway. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. 
Yeah. Okay, so so when they say that yeah. when they say that the the BIS has figured out that it would be 100 gigs per user in the next two and a half years, are they? I assume they're talking about if every U.S. retail transaction occurred on chain. I'm assuming yes. that's what they mean. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. That seems low, actually, to me. Uh, 100 <laughs> gigabits per user? Yeah, uh, but gigabit. per year? Per, uh, well, it says within two and a half years, but... Yeah, that uh, seems... I, th- I would think it'd be higher than that, but I mean, maybe... I guess the transaction itself is not very much data, so... Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Not a very good argument, but okay. Uh, next? Next, we're on to uh, the mining paradox. So... Right. This boils down to miners want small blocks so that they can get high fees, but users want large blocks so that the fees will be low. And I don't—I'm not really sure where he's like drawing they, they, this from. I was gonna say because they studied uh, the last two years, have they? <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, totally ignores the fact that the Bitcoin price versus the Bcash price suggests uh, like most users indeed do prefer. The small blocks, yeah, or at least the market does. Well, I, yeah, so. um, again, that's yeah. No, it's just such a lousy argument because it's such an oversimplification of the situation. I mean, like you know, in the end, users aren't going to care about bigger, smaller blocks as long as they can make cheap transactions. And uh, miners are just going to mine wherever things are most profitable. They don't have, like you know, miners don't really have a say in um, in where they mine. Like they have a say where they mine, but like the, they're just going to gravitate towards where the profitability is. So right. you know, yeah, and like again, if, if you look to the last year or two, it definitely hasn't been like miners all trying to keep the block size small. Like you know, that's uh, there's definitely been significant mining forces uh, that uh, yeah have kind of stalled. Um, yeah, uh, that kind of political end of the spectrum. I mean, uh, I guess the 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 generous interpretation of this would be that he says users want the exact opposite, higher capacity, lower transaction costs and more liquidity. So, I mean, that is something that users want, but the disconnect he he then draws a conclusion so therefore they favor larger block sizes. That that's where the I think the the uh, fallacy might come from. Sure, I, I guess like when it comes down to it, like miners are going to want to make money for their mining, and users are going to want to make transactions cheaply. And yeah, um, yeah, you know. So it's it's not unreasonable. It's not unreasonable then if you're just assuming that because people want cheaper transaction costs, they want larger block sizes. Then yeah, that that might make sense that criticism, but it's just not really necessarily the case that users want larger block sizes. There are some that do, but. Yeah, but, um, so I think one thing about that that like he he's definitely missing is, uh, like all other things being equal, a user might or would want cheaper transactions, but a user most definitely prefers high security and um, mutability. Yeah, yeah, immutability over over everything else. So and and they're willing to pay for it. Otherwise, you know, they they wouldn't be using Bitcoin. Um, and so then that would push their preferences towards smaller blocks. Yeah, and like in this even a paradox. Like even if he was right and both sides wanted different things, you know, they would, you know, you, it would either fall apart or you know people could gravitate 
towards a compromise, you know, which uh, yeah. is kind of what you end up having to do anyways. Yeah, I mean, the users want it, the... <laughs> He's basically just describing a market because the users want free transactions with a whole lot of security and, uh, you know, pure decentralization. And the miners would prefer not to spend anything on mining and uh, for the fees to be really high. And yet somehow they have to meet in the middle because it's a market. I'd be pretty stoked (laughs) if I could run a single ASIC and get a million dollars a month. That'd be great as a miner, but you know. I mean, it it is sort of funny. You could sort of apply the same argument to like our business. Like we want our users, we want our customers to pay as much money as possible for our products and they want to pay as little as possible. And so it just, it just doesn't work. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I guess that's uh, the, right, the, the market paradox right there. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, well, next. All right. So next up is the, and these are all his titles, uh, the valuation paradox. So they say. Uh, oh, no, no. We're on the oh, concentration yeah, paradox. Concentration paradox. Oh. oh, did we? Did I miss one? Yeah, yeah. We're at the concentration paradox. Despite proponents' talk of decentralization, disintermediation, and democratization, most cryptocurrencies exhibit an extraordinarily high concentration of ownership. So I'm guessing, I haven't read oh, this one. I'm assuming this is like, a, a wealth inequality sort of uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. This here. is the classic. People look at the word decentralization and it sounds roughly like equality, and then they assume it's the same thing. I mean, you know, decentralization refers to. You know the the operation of the network. It's who who can make changes to it. Who can anyone censor transactions? You know, it, it's just making sure it's not under anyone's control. It does not mean everybody holds like roughly the same amount of Bitcoin. It doesn't like you know if, if a single party held like ten percent of the Bitcoin, like that would be problematic for certain reasons. But that wouldn't necessarily be a threat to decentralization. And then they've got disintermediation here, which like that is completely irrelevant to the rest of the section. And then democratization, which is actually not something that's trumpeted in the Bitcoin world. I mean, maybe some altcoins, but like, uh, uh, I, I don't know why they have the word democratization there. And again, like, uh, you know, wealth inequality is not, um, you know, it, it doesn't like go hand in hand with democracy, but they're not fundamentally opposed concepts. It's yeah, really confused. What I think... That. What what I don't like about these democratization arguments um, is ninety. So the the quote they give, and I don't know where they pulled the stats from, uh, and this is probably is true, but it says ninety seven percent of Bitcoin is held by four percent of addresses from Business Insider. Okay, okay, okay. The, the, so one, I've, I've a lot that of that before. is exchange. A lot of that is exchanges. So it's like yeah. Coinbase holds a bunch. And it's just held in custody. So, but e- even if that was true, like that, those were four percent of like, even if they were individuals, I would guess that that same metric is true about like almost every stock in in the Fortune five hundred. That four um, percent of of. Or ninety-seven percent of stock is held by four oh, by the top four percent, percent of the people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, of, oh, not, not of the holders pe- of that stock. Oh, so not four people, four percentage, four percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, yeah. And well, and the other thing is that like there's there's a lot of addresses out there that are just like empty or like holding like dust. You know. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like I'm pretty sure that like I don't hold a lot of Bitcoin. I hold some, but I'm probably in the top four percent of addresses for my like cold storage. And that's not me being like, oh, I'm like really rich. That's me being like, 
they're just not dust. You know, it's not, you know, tiny trace amounts of Bitcoin or empty addresses. So, well, and really, if you wanted to say of all addresses that are possible, then yeah, yeah, it's a hundred percent of the Bitcoin is held by point zero 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 one percent of the addresses. Sure. Yeah. I, <laughs> but I, I mean, that, I'm assuming it's referring funny to with address. There. Yeah, I'm assuming it's yeah, like UTXOs. Yeah. Um, but I, I hope that that's what they're referring to. Otherwise, it's a really lazy thing to say. <laughs> well, um, I mean, we're we're like in the second sentence here. We've already found like eight things wrong with this. Um. I mean, <laughs> I think I think what they could say is, well, okay, fine, but. You still have this huge problem in terms of like whales coming in and just like wrecking the market for like the little people. Um, yeah, yeah, they move on to that, which is odd because that's that's actually valid for a lot of you know. Maybe we should remind ourselves that this is aimed at cryptocurrencies in general because that point actually is valid for like most altcoins. I think. Yeah, I think that's true, and like rampant front running of uh, insider information, for lack of a better term, and. Um, I, I mean, just think about if you're like, you're running some altcoin and you know that whatever is about to hit the market, if it's bad news, you're going to dump before it or try to get as much out of the market as you can. And if it's good news, then you're going to buy, um, you know, so especially when things were going so crazy at the end of last year, that would have been very easy to do. Yeah. Yeah. Now let's get on to valuation paradox because I think most interesting because this this really gets into people falling for the subjective value theory or the uh, like labor theory of value stuff that I've been seeing a lot lately and I see it among even like Bitcoiners so kind of interesting stuff but yeah go ahead yeah so valuation paradox um, so basically they divide up uh, the quote is the puzzle in economic theory is why private currencies have any value at all. So there's two different ways to that he says you can value something. Um, I guess three. So there's the discounted cash flow model, uh, which doesn't really apply to cryptocurrencies at all because that's how you value uh, an asset. So something that's going to return future income flows. Like something, and, like a, something that pays like a dividend, you mean? Like a, like yeah. a security? Okay. So like right. a bond or a stock or something. Or, you, a, like, or a rental property or something like that. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then uh, there's, he states the second source of value is intrinsic value. Mm, so gold pays no dividend, but has a commodity value for making jewelry, industrial purposes, etc. Mm, mm, mm-hmm. So, uh, and then the third one he says is some argue that. Uh, the break-even energy cost for mining provides a floor for cryptocurrency prices. So I, I would say all of these are incorrect ways to value crypto. Um, definitely the discounted cash flow model is uh, a, an accurate way to view asset prices, but I don't think Bitcoin and, and most cryptocurrencies uh, are assets well, yeah, you don't, so get, really, yeah, you don't get dividends from you know, yeah, cryptocurrency. There's no cash flow coming in. <laughs> Wait, isn't that what OneCoin promised? Or BitConnect promised dividends, didn't it? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. If your crypto is paying a dividend and it's not a company, like a, a crypto security, um, 
then uh, <laughs> you probably need was, to be questioning it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so the third one that he gives, I, I've also heard a lot of Bitcoiners say, "Well, no, I mean the like you." Uh, Bitcoin has a has an intrinsic value because you had to burn energy to to get it, and that really is just the labor theory of value, which is is there's no like modern economist that accepts yeah, that uh, as a yeah, good theory of value. Yeah, the, they've got the the cause effect backwards. You know, it's like a very <laughs> we, we don't very, value we don't value Bitcoin highly because people mine it. People mine it because it, we value it highly. It, it's it's an ironic thing because like liber or uh, Bitcoiners like tend to be very libertarian, but it's like a very Marxian way to value something. So I always yeah. found that like very um, very comical. But but this whole like. The second source being intrinsic value. I, I just find this really funny because it's still it's still kind of. I look at the second and third kind of form of valuing kind of the same. Like this, I, this I belief in intrinsic value of any kind, and that gold has intrinsic value. And I get like where they're going with it. It's like, well, you can use gold to make jewelry, or it has industrial uses and that, that's, in wiring that's so, and that kind of thing. That's so but obviously wrong. Like no one's holding yeah. gold bars because they're like. They're genuinely reassured that they're going to be able to make a necklace out of it. If you know, if Mad yeah, Max comes, yeah, you know, yeah, like that's the just world dumb. shows and, up. Like, and, I, <laughs> and 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 it totally discounts the fact that it's like, well, okay, why do we value jewelry? Like, what's the intrinsic value of jewelry? Well, there isn't any. There's yeah. there's no intrinsic value to anything. Nothing has intrinsic value. It it has value because other people want it for some reason, you know. And there's yeah. there may be reasons for it, or there are reasons for it, but like. At the end of the day, there's kind of like a first principle going on here that just like value is subjective. And at the end of the day, if you like dig down deep enough, like you don't really know, like, why do you value jewelry? Well, because it looks good. Well, why do you value looking good? Well, because other people like me. Well, why do you value people liking you? It's like eventually if you dig down deep enough, you just say like, I don't know, I just do. Well, the other thing this completely ignores is like, why does the U.S. dollar have any value? Like, yeah, uh, yeah, it's like it's like, just a piece of paper. It's because people ex- like. I mean, I, don't know, I hear people saying, "Oh, it's because the government like problems like you know makes you pay your taxes." And I'm like, no, I don't think so. Because I think it's because people are confident that we will spend it later on for other things that they're like, you know, yeah. that's that's yeah, 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 totally agree. Yeah, I don't find that link, compelling at all. There's a good Tom Woods uh, podcast episode that talks about. Uh, like why the tax argument for the value of the U.S. dollar is just completely bunk, and uh, even references Bitcoin in it. So I'll dig that up and we'll put it in was, the show notes for everybody. I think everybody. he was uh, like debunking some Paul Krugman article, and yeah, it's it's funny because it's like I wonder if Paul Krugman would recant that the moment like the government starts taking Bitcoin for taxes. Like, oh, does it change <laughs> all of a sudden? Now it's now it's worth it. It's every bit as worthwhile as a dollar. I mean, I guess it already is on the market. It's worth way more than a dollar. So um, anyway, we can move on. Yeah. So uh, last one is uh, the innovation paradox. Now we still have the anonymity paradox. <laughs> this, is, this is why we're so happy that Brian read the paragraph correctly at the beginning. Yeah. He has, a, yeah. <laughs> he has trouble with the... Go ahead. <laughs> um, yeah, so this one talks about uh, the greater the anonymity, anonymity, the, yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, we put you under such pressure now, huh? <laughs> that the cryptocurrency offers uh, is generally a weakness, not a strength. So, uh, some of the transactions do 
there is a demand for launderers and stuff, uh, but for the much bigger range of legal transactions, the anonymity is a drawback. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, I mean, this is just like feature, not bug, you know? And, and there's the fact as well that like you can always choose to reveal information if you want to. You can like make yourself known. Um, it, it, like there's no reason that uh, like if someone wants to audit you, it's I mean I guess they don't use auditing as an example here, but uh, um, I don't know. Yeah, it's well, it's also I mean, not anonymous, really. It's it's pseudonymous. So yeah, I mean to to their credit, they do say greater anonymity in brackets, which indicates that they understand it's not completely anonymous. But um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean you can you can always like Mario says, you can always just let someone know. Like you can actually prove that that some transaction is yours. So, I mean, you, you can open it up all you want if you want to. Yeah. And I think also like, you know, I, I get why if you're working for a, um, working for a, a bank, you, you're kind of obligated, I think to say, um, you know, to say, Oh, it makes tracking, you know, nefarious, you know, behavior harder. Well, yeah, I could see how that's a drawback if like they're, you know, law enforcement does do some good things, you know, and, Probably, you know, tracking payments does help them, you know, catch, you know, genuinely bad people sometimes. So there's a drawback. But I don't think you get to say, oh, no, therefore, no one's going to want to use this. Like, so <laughs> it sounds like, though, he is saying that it, if someone wants to remain anonymous, it will, it will mean that certain, um, certain types of transactions will be closed off to you. So he gives this example, uh, most financial transactions involved an intertemporal element, a loan, a futures contract, deposit of funds with interest. With anonymity, the person who hands over the money up front has no easy redress against the other party, subsequently reneging on their side of the deal. This severely limits the scope of these transactions unless there is a 100% pre-funding, which is usually prohibitively expensive in terms of tied-up capital and or obviates the need for the transaction. If I could 100% pre-fund a mortgage, I wouldn't need one. Uh, yeah, but it, I guess in this case, you could still just tell them, you could just tell them up front that I'm trying to understand this criticism. I, I don't think it makes sense. Um, if I got 100% pre-fund a mortgage, I wouldn't need one. But how, how does it change anything? I mean, what what happens if you can't pay your mortgage? Like, they take away the house. They don't, like, you know, you don't have, like, reversed payments in there. It's, yeah. um Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think we have one more. Yeah, last one. All right. Uh so this is the innovation or yeah, innovation paradox. Uh so the quote is perhaps the biggest irony of all is that the more optimistic you are about tomorrow's cryptocurrencies, the more pessimistic you must be about the value of today's. It's nice that they're making the uh, Bitcoin maximalist argument for us. Yeah, they, that's what they kind of are that's, doing. That's literally what this is. They, uh, I mean, I guess they don't realize that we can update Bitcoin to add anything that's actually useful. The reason we haven't added in features to other cryptocurrencies is because they're just not good features. Um, but, I mean, they, they are correct. For the people who are always looking for the next big thing, yeah, this is a valid point. Well, and it's funny because in the intro to this, he talked about how, um, how what did he say? Oh, and if newer cryptocurrencies ever emerge to solve these problems, that's additional downside news for the value of existing ones. 
I guess that's yeah, it just yeah. assumes it assumes that Bitcoin can't be upgraded. Like you can't just add features to it. And you know, with forks and you know fork updates and side chains, uh, we can. We know this. Um, uh, so that's invalid. But uh, uh, yeah, like and even if it were true, then yeah, it's kind of an argument against cryptocurrencies as a whole, but not really against the maximalist position. I, yeah, I, I was is. talking with uh, who is it? Like. Um, um, I retweeted some argument from this guy, David Gerard. He wrote that kind of attack of the 50 foot blockchain book. He's a big critic of the Bitcoin cryptocurrency space. I kind of like him, even though he's pretty denigrating towards Bitcoin. I think most of his arguments are pretty intelligent, but, uh, yeah, they retweeted this one, which was talking about how, like, because you can copy Bitcoin, you know, it's the dilution, um, issue. Like anyone can print Bitcoin. Oh, yeah. So, you know, the value of Bitcoin can never stay high. And I just, uh, like I retweeted it and I pointed out that, uh, well, that's you know that's like saying the, uh, you know the the Bank of Zimbabwe can inflate the hell out of its dollar, therefore the value of all dollars is diluted. Therefore, the U.S. dollar is going to fail. Like you know, it's, it's not a valid argument, right? Um, and then um, Giacomo Zucco responded. He was like, "Yeah, it is interesting to see though that it's it's a valid criticism of of uh, the the multi coin scenario." And I was like, "Yeah, it's you know it's a fair point. A lot of these arguments when you direct them at Bitcoin, they don't really make sense. But if you direct them at at like a pluralistic, um, you know, worldview on cryptocurrencies, they are pretty valid criticisms. Yeah, that's interesting. He, he ends this one with uh, the sentence, whereas goods derive worth from their value when consumed, which is suspect, I think, currency derives worth from the belief that it will be accepted as a payment and or hold its value in the future. So, I mean, again, and this was the case when I was watching um, Rubini's criticisms of, well, cryptocurrencies, but I think he was pointing at Bitcoin as well, um, is that a lot of these arguments can be directed right back at fiat. And, and they, but that's, that is the monetary system that they're defending. And so it just kind of baffles me that they, you know, they can't dislodge the log out of their own eye before removing the splinter from their neighbors. So kind of an interesting thing, phenomenon that goes on there. Yeah. And, and to your point, I mean, I think, when he says that goods derive their value when consumed, I think that is that's probably one of the most accurate things he said. Oh, that sentence um, as a whole, I think, is correct. Yeah, yeah. Like you, the the value when they're consumed is like the pleasure you get when you're you know using them. I think um, that's still not right. Like. I think value is kind of actually more mysterious than that, frankly. Well, I, I think the point he's just trying to make there is that, like, when you buy a sandwich, you don't care whether or not the sandwich is going to be worthless, you know, 10 years from now. As long as you get a chance to eat it, you're going to be happy. Whereas with money, if you think the money is going to be worthless in 10 years, you can assume other people won't accept it, and then it loses its value right away. I think that's just mm -hmm. the point that he's making there. Ah, uh, okay, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, in that, maybe in that context. That's what I took it to be as well. All right, so, well, I think that does it for that article. Yeah. Um so uh, we'll move on to uh, number two, and this is another one from Brian, I think. The dangers of biometric creation of keys, which we talked about this, uh, I think, maybe two episodes ago when we were talking about different wallets and uh, we were talking about biometrics being used as maybe uh, one uh, of the keys out of a, maybe a multi-sig. So that way you're not just relying on the biometrics, but it could be a part of your your recovery or the security of your keys, but it seems that maybe there's some uh, issues with this, which I've heard of before, but uh, what's in this article here that you mentioned? Yeah, so it's 
it's pretty cool. Uh, it's on the Guardian, um, and the headline is "Fake Fingerprints Can Imitate Real Ones in Biometric Systems." Um, and so, basically, what the researchers did is they created what they called deep master prints. And um, so, what most fingerprint readers do is, you know, you put your fingers on there, and uh, they look through they look at your finger and they compare it to um or they look at like several key points on it and then they compare it to every fingerprint that they have in their database and if that fingerprint that it's looking at matches any one of those prints then they're gonna let you in the door so uh you know let's say that you know, Joe Schmo walks up to the door. He puts his fingerprint on the fingerprint reader. The fingerprint reader looks at like 10 points on his finger and their relative location to each other, I guess. And then it looks at everyone who's authorized to come in and compares that fingerprint to all those people. Mm -hmm. And then if that fingerprint is on there, it opens the door. Yes. So what they did through some deep learning is they found... Um, some like really similar or, or sorry, very common traits of like a lot of people's fingerprints. And they created these like 10 master fingerprints is what they call them. Deep master prints. Yeah. And so using those, I think they said they got like a uh, one in five open rate yeah. on these doors. And yeah. the more people that you have in your system, uh, the more likely they are to be able to get in. So if you just have one person in the system, mm-hmm. then you know you probably they're probably not very likely to get in. But if you have like a hundred or five hundred people in your database, then one of these deep master prints will match one of those people, and it will open up. Mm. Yeah, I mean that makes sense to me. That yeah, that, if well, that's uh, how it works. That would be the case. Yeah, it's like variation on the birthday paradox. You know that one? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly it sounds like, like it sounds like though. Then you would just need to, and I could be wrong about this, but if you are creating the fingerprint software, not the not the spoofing software, but like the actual security software, then you would just need to increase the amount of data points needed uh, for comparison on the fingerprint, and that should increase the failure rate of the spoofing technology that they're using. Um, I think that's part of it, but the second part is, and this is a quote from the article, some features of fingerprints are more common than others. Uh, this means that a fake print contains a lot of very common features that is more likely to match other fingerprints than pure chance would suggest. So I think, you know, I guess if unfortunately you're part of the uh, this group that has a lot of common traits in your fingerprint, then you know, your fingerprint can get faked a lot easier. Um, and the reason why we, you're even bringing this up is because, you know, like Colin said uh, in a previous episode, we talked about using biometrics and how there were some downsides to that. So I think this just illustrates, you know, we're not quite there yet on, on the biometric stuff. But to be yeah. honest, I, I don't think biometrics should ever be used for, you know, producing, you know, for cryptographic um systems 
It's just like it breaks like the first principle, which is like, uh, you know, the, the, the tools of cryptography we use now are like extremely robust and have like, uh, you know, and I have, uh, are provably secure to like, uh, under certain assumptions. And you can't do that when you introduce just like some sort of, um, you know, fingerprint system. And, and it introduces all these other problems. Like, I mean, what if someone gets, you know, stuck in a, a fire and their the fingerprints get burned off? Like, are they just screwed then? Um, then like, what do you do? Do you keep backups of your fingerprints somewhere? Then someone else can take those. Like, um, and then, you know, and even without these like deep master prints, like there have been incidents of fingerprint recognition systems just accidentally, um, you know, identifying the wrong people. Like it, it's not a foolproof system, you know, it, I, I, like it's, it introduces far, far more problems than it solves. Yeah. I mean, I think the pushback to that would be a, maybe you could use them, like I said, as part of a multi-sig. So it's not your only way in. And, um, and if you do, and if you do get a hold of them, uh, illicitly, then you're not going to necessarily get in. And, I think the bigger one that they're going to push back on you with is, look, if we want to make it easier for people to hold it relatively safely, it's you know you don't have to have like the average person doesn't need to have like the greatest security in the world. Um, it just needs to be better and easier, and um, biometrics is something that's easy for people to use. Well, yeah, but the thing is, if it's something that can possibly be cracked, then you might have a scenario where just like everybody using this method gets their stuff stolen. Well, well, I mean, um, but, and, but a hardware wallet can possibly be cracked. I mean, uh, sure. I mean, things can always possibly be cracked, but there's a very, very different set of assumptions that goes into that. Um, yeah, no, there, I mean, there, I hear you, just, but there's I, just so much noise and randomness in, or not even randomness, it's not, not what I mean, but like there's there's so many um, extra steps here of where things go wrong. Um, yeah, I, sure. I, I, I mean, yeah. I don't even think you need this, uh, this um, like, neural net to find these master prints to be a problem. I mean, you could I, have a problem, you could have a problem uh, just by, like, someone somehow getting your fingerprints somewhere else and then just like feeding that data to whatever database it's checking for fingerprints and then get in. They don't even need your finger. I mean, and, and if people can't, if people can't handle, you know, storing their own private keys, like, you know, with the, you know, we can do things to make it more convenient, but I mean, ultimately if they if they can't handle that kind of stuff, I think we just need more robust custodial solutions. Mm. I, I am a big, like, uh, I don't know. I've said it before. Like I'm kind of a proponent of actually getting a stable kind of banking system operating on top of Bitcoin in the future. I think that'd be kind of a good thing, and I think that would as as many problems as that would um, as that would um, you know entail. I think there'd be fewer than would show up with this fingerprint type. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, item number three. This one is juicy. Roger Ver is now, quote, pretty damn skeptical of Wright being Satoshi Nakamoto. I thought this was pretty hilarious. Uh, well given well that, done, Roger. Well done. <laughs> for, like, now now what do, you're what skeptical. Do you think, what do you think tipped him off? <laughs> I mean, how many, for how many years now have people been like, look, do you really think this guy is Satoshi Nakamoto? Really? And he, he, he has always said, like, well, I don't know. I don't know if he is or not. I just I can't say. And now he's feeling 
now he's feeling confident enough, apparently. I guess he, he some new information came that allowed him to uh, to be that sure, I guess. But oh, this was pretty hilarious. Um, he he said in this interview, he did a video for his his site, Bitcoin.com, with his lawyer. And I guess um, people are angry at uh, Bitcoin Cash because they think it's caused this whole bear market um, in crypto lately. And he said, why are you mad at any digital currencies? Be mad at the fiat currencies that are used to manipulate people all over the world. That's the currency you should be mad at, not at Bitcoin Cash, which is also hilarious because it was just like, what, a year ago he was saying Bitcoin was killing babies? But uh, now it was not even now it was we about six months ago. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now, now we shouldn't be mad at any currencies. Let's just focus on the fiat currencies now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's what? What even is there to say on this? It's just the, well, the entire scene is like, like <laughs> okay, all right, go for it. <laughs> there's something else I'd like to say now. So he also said, like Vitalik said. If it turned out that Craig were Satoshi, that would just lower my opinion of Satoshi at this point. So now it's really not about Satoshi's vision. Yeah, I mean, it, it should just even be... if Craig were Satoshi, that wouldn't convince me to go with Satoshi's vision. The coin. I mean, it's so clear that it's just all like I mean, yeah. I, I think we've known for a long time that the arguments that they trumpet are are just completely like kind of motivated and not inconsistent, unsustainable and. I don't know. It's, I, I guess it's a bit surprising seeing it be like it's seeing how blatant it is now that uh, you know they're willing to throw out all the arguments they've been screaming for the last two years. Now that they're used against them, but like, I don't know. Have you guys, uh, I, yeah, go ahead. This was a kind of a, a predictable outcome, uh, but I do have to say I have some sympathy for Roger uh, coming from kind of a similar. Uh, ideological background. I, I can, I think I could see myself going down that same road. So I, I do have some sympathy for him. Like, and uh, not not to uh, give like a pass on some of his like one-liners and tactics, um, which which I think are, uh, if not like deceptive than definitely uh misleading for sure um but i did have a thought that i would like to, for you guys to weigh in so his nickname which and he's never taken ownership of it uh is bitcoin jesus and, and mm. he's never uh like you know like grabbed onto it or anything and, and if anyone says like oh you're called bitcoin jesus he kind of like uh, demurs. It is you who um, say it. <laughs> well, I I think even more than that. I think I think he's uncomfortable with it. To be honest, oh, uh, I don't think so. But okay, you don't think so? Well, I, all right. That that's the 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 interpretation that I've always given, and I even kind of lead into this with some trepidity because I am a Christian. Um, so and that's not what this is about, but. Um, th this analogy that I'm about to go into kind of touches on that. So just, look, I, I want to know your thoughts. So what if he, through this, kind of has some kind of about face and then he's accumulated, obviously, all this Bitcoin cash. So now he has uh, a ton of SV as well. So what if he, like, turns back to core and then 
crashes the market on Bitcoin Cash and SV, and then through that sacrifice <laughs> becomes he, he the becomes, true Bitcoin V. Bitcoin he, Jesus. Where he, he gets he he sacrifices himself. Great. The, no, the then, 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 then we then, then we crucify yeah. him, right? Isn't that what we're supposed to do? <laughs> we cru- yeah. we and crucify him. And if he, if he comes back the from the dead, then okay, all right. Three days back. later, <laughs> we raise him up. What, like I mean, <laughs> no, I mean like. Sure, I mean that'd be great if you would do that. That would be a positive thing, and I would probably give him a good job, Roger. And I would still not really trust him or ever want to accept funding from him or going to business with him. You know, it's a permissionless system. He can, you know, if he's probably going to do an about face, I think he will. Like it's going to be, you know, at a certain point, even he will not be able to keep like keep up this pretense that Bitcoin Cash is going anywhere. And I think he really does believe in his like. Um, is uh, is you know libertarian ideology and like as much as people like call him like a Keynesian stuff to get him riled up, I think he does believe in the whole uh, like uh, uh, voluntarism, anarchism stuff. Um, and I think he, he probably will eventually come back to BTC. Um, I don't. I think he's well, unlikely to find many friends there. But um, I mean, if I think if even just from a business decision, because he does own Bitcoin.com. <laughs> exactly. Which, like, what was he gonna keep um, on forking off um, <laughs> knockoffs? Like, like yeah. Is he is he really gonna like? It's like if you owned. Uh, I mean, he could sell. It I don't know well. if you owned Coke. Like, what is the most like useful thing you could do with it? Like, it wouldn't be to. Oh, or, uh, sorry, oh, if you owned Coke dot com, it would clearly be to run the next Silk Road. <laughs> Touche. <laughs> no, I feel it, but, but but he could also just like sell Bitcoin.com and then like you know what I want him to do? I really want him to sell Bitcoin.com, like close it in, and be like you know guys, um, cryptocurrency thing hasn't worked out, so I'm just gonna like use my resources to fund like a seasteading project. I think that'd be great. Just like you know, put a bunch of libertarians on boats. Well, you're, and see you're, how really, it works. you're really curious about this. You like you want to watch this thing and see how it does. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, I'm not optimistic about a libertarian society. I, I think. But you that, seem you, you seem know, open minded. Like, like it, if it worked, like you wouldn't be like cheering for it to fail or anything. You, you seem like you, um, you like want, you'd be interested if it worked. Um, yeah. I mean, if it worked, that would be. I mean, yeah, yeah. Like I, uh, I don't know. We we could. Uh, we could make another bet over I mean, would you, maybe, like, you know, you're, like, more I mean trepid, you're more you have more trepidation about this than I thought. Would would you be rooting for it to fail if he tried it? Oh, um well I mean I wouldn't want anyone to get hurt. Um I I I have to say I wouldn't be too disappointed if fortunes were lost on that project. Um and I have a hard time imagining it working out well in a scalable way. Like, you know, if it was like twenty people on a cruise ship, yeah, that might work out for a few years until they run out of money. Um, but yeah, I, I'm very, very <laughs> skeptical that, uh, uh, that stuff can work. But the thing is though, like, I guess my, there were two kind of main appeals there. First of all, then it's actually, these ideas would get tested instead of just be, you know, kind of armchaired about. And, um, is that, a, is that a verb armchaired? You know, instead of people just like, you know, uh, uh, claiming it works or it doesn't, it would be nice to have an actual experiment. Um, and it would be nice to have his resources directed somewhere else because I think it's doing a lot of harm right now in the Bitcoin space. Indeed. Well, to answer your question, Brian, I think that would be pretty incredible if he did that. And it would be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. Um, it would be fun to watch. I think that someone might kill him, though, if he did that. I think 
I think there's enough um, people out there who would lose money and who are unhinged enough that Car- Car- someone might Carpellis try and, like, is him. still alive. What's that? Carpellis is still alive. Yeah. Oh, that's true. I think, I think, that's true. yeah, that's probably, yeah. I think while he's still alive, <laughs> anyone else that targets in their back are probably, probably feeling okay. But, if he, but if he gets however, however, off, then, however, though, the amount of people who lost money, uh, it, at, uh, on the Mount Gox failure is not nearly as large as the amount of people who would lose money if Roger Ver like single handedly foundered both Bitcoin caches into nothing. I don't think so. I don't. I don't think so because first of all, yeah. Bitcoin Cash is already down like ninety percent from its all time high, right? Like most of that value is probably already gone. Um, and. Uh, but it's I not. Mean, it's yeah, not about being yeah. from the all-time high. It's it's about when they forked it. I I think more so. Yeah. Sure. I, mean, uh, I don't know. Yeah. I guess I guess the question there is like, do we think like how many people treaty? really lost all their money in Mount Gox? Like what? Four thousand people, maybe. You think there's like, more? Four, you think there's you think there's more than four thousand people who would lose their like savings right now if uh, if uh, yeah both BCs yeah, just crashed? Definitely. Oh yeah, no, think, there's yeah. You think there's only four thousand like. BCH big hodlers. time holders of BCH holders. Uh, yeah, forty four thousand people that. that are like that are holding so much that they like would experience serious financial distress if they lost it. Yeah, I don't think there's a lot more than four thousand. Maybe. Hmm. I guess it's it's kind of tough to know. I, I I'll be interested to hear what Ruben would think of that because I I I don't share your intuition, but probably kind of impossible to know. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. hard to say. Um, okay, number four. Let's get through these. Uh, Bitcoin continues to tumble as of today. I think it went uh, below 4,900. We're not really a uh, price podcast, but I thought it was interesting to bring up. I wanted to ask you guys if you thought this was because of the hard fork for BCH and it's just causing but in the market. Because I can't think of any fundamental reason for Bitcoin to be slipping further other than just continued depression inside the market. Uh, I mean, there's a pretty um, fundamental reason for the way stuff goes. I mean, like, uh, <laughs> you know, just if you look at, like, the Bitcoin developments over the last two, three years, like... Um, yeah, the fundamentals are sounder than they've ever been for Bitcoin. I mean, it's, Yeah, like, um, I... Um, I don't know, it's, so it's hard I, to say. I, I, I do think that it is. I think, like, there's just a lot of uncertainty around the bch fork and i mean we can say what we want about craig right but we know that he one he has a lot of bitcoin and so you know if he wants to move the price around he probably could um and and calvin does too so I mean, they can make whatever they can make I, I, threats, well, no. and we can say that they're uh, okay. Mari, well, Mario doesn't had, think I, so. Well, I don't think they have enough funds to significantly affect the the Bitcoin price. Ooh. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's yeah, a huge. I, I, it's yeah. a huge market. Though. You think they can bring the price well, down like ten percent? Like well, he claims to have so, like a million coins. So, well, so right, like he he has been in the space for a long time, like and 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 mining for a long time. So, like. And uh, I don't have links right now. I can I can find them and try to put them in the show notes. But um, you know, th- there's pretty significant evidence that he's been in the space for a long time, regardless of his claims to be Satoshi. Or sure, not, but I, th- so. I think he's also like he's he's 
he's kind of all bark, no bite. You know, he, he sort of like makes a lot of noise and talks a lot and then never does anything. For him to actually be like taking a lot of action behind the scenes without being really, uh, you know, obnoxious okay. loud about it, but, uh, it's, it would be very out of character, I think. Okay, but that, uns- I mean, that uncertainty does get priced into the market. And, and I think that, that that is what's causing the volatility right now. Yeah, so I like, mean, if, if you... You have a lot of heavy hitters who are fighting and the market doesn't really know what they're going to do. So, hey, let's just sit on the sidelines. Yeah, just wait for it to blow over and yeah. see who wins, and then I'll I'll fricassee the loser, basically. <laughs> I mean, I mean reference. Since, since we're going to the price bit here, I think it's interesting to note as well, we're coming up uh, just a few weeks away. It was a uh, one-year anniversary of the all-time high. Ooh. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so that was, I think that was yeah. December 16th when it hit about uh, 20 yeah. grand, yeah. I would love to see a up-to-date performance analysis of all of the newsletters out there and then just compare mm. them to just buying Bitcoin because I'm I'm almost certain if you looked at it, Bitcoin is the least down of any of them. Oh, right it now. is. Yeah, yeah, like it, yeah. Well, to, um, like, like I mean, there's going to be year. exceptions as you like go way down the list of altcoins, right? But, um, sure. but uh, like, I think EOS has actually done pretty well. Um Sneeze. Oh no. yeah, I think I, I think ES might be up year to date, um, but I'm not sure about that. Um, I'm gonna skip number five because it's actually nothing, and uh, I want to get through an hour, and we still have a go through. So it's kind of just more, um, more price talk, and we've kind of covered that. So number six. Ripple adds fifth largest Southeast Asian bank to enterprise blockchain network. I only bring this up because I read this article just wondering if XRP would get brought up. Of course Knowing not. almost certain it wouldn't. And of course, there's still no sign of XRP anywhere. H- has, has Ripple just like given up on this XRP canard? Like that it ever did anything? It's telling people that, that it's not even their thing. Yeah. Oh, really? They're so saying I, it's yeah, not it's, ours. <laughs> So there's a um, segment, and it's very pretty recent, and it's the CEO uh, of of Ripple. He's on Bloomberg. I'll find it. It'll be in the show notes. Um, and he's you know the, he he's being interviewed, and uh, the lady interviewing him asks, uh, "So you know, Ripple has you know the Bitcoin price seems to be going down, but Ripple's been holding pretty steady." He's like, "Oh well." I think you might be referring to XRP. Uh, <laughs> and, and yes, it has been uh, oh, performing no okay. Integrity. Yeah, and he just like, and then he segues into, but Ripple, we've been doing, you know, this, this, and this. And it's just like, man, like. Are they just trying to avoid the, like the regulatory? They don't want the, yes, SEC that is exactly stuff? what it so is. They've yeah. just like basically. Pretty sure said, they've, they've seen the writing on the wall. I wonder what yeah. they what they're doing with all their reserves then, because it seems like it's going to be hard for them to deny that they were the issues of like. How do you deny that at that point that you <laughs> issued that stuff? Yeah, it's I, yeah. We just happened to have fifty percent of it. I, I don't I don't know how that happened. Uh, it's they, very there weird. Was, there was a statement on Twitter from like I think it was their their statement. Yeah, uh, their one of their like PR people like you know high up stating that like Ripple's relationship to XRP is the same as. Uh, as like 
um, I forget, like one of the guys, like shells is to oil, like, um, or, or, or like uh, it was one of these oil companies <laughs> <laughs> and so like she just got torn to pieces. I think it was like Nick Carter, like you retweeted and was like, that's right. We were going along and <laughs> exploring and digging through the dirt and all this, all this XRP started pouring out of the ground. We called it blue gold. <laughs> like it's, it's just, it's <laughs> I, like, does anyone out there actually believe them? Like do regulators just like take that at their word? Like it's no, it's no, they are most certainly not. And, and, People will are going to be in big trouble. I really, I really hope so because it's such a sham. Wow! Um, that, wow! Wow! That's incredible. I mean, I, I'm trying to understand at this point, like, what is even the difference between RippleNet and Swift at this point? Like, what what are they claiming to be doing differently? Uh, blockchain. I mean, I know they, they throw in blockchain somewhere, but I, I, I don't know if that even means anything in this case. I, I don't think uh, I don't, there might be. I, I think the only thing is that they, you know, they, they fooled regulators, and that's the advantage. And that's a pretty big advantage, you know. Um, but like, that, that's pretty much it, right? So, I mean, there I might. guess that they could have a blockchain, but they have like these trusted nodes, which makes the nodes completely run. I mean, it's it's such completely centralized blockchain. I mean, I, I don't think it is so, even a blockchain, really. I think it's just call it that. Yeah. There might be some like efficiencies that they've like. I mean, Swift's a pretty old system, so it's possible that, that like <laughs> there are some inefficiencies in Swift that they've figured out how to. Uh, how to fix, but I mean, the fact that none of these banks actually use XRP to do anything that they're doing is, is kind of the telltale sign that they've bamboozled everyone buying XRP. Yeah. And, and that is, um, really obvious in the fact that they they are distancing themselves further and further from XRP. And I think eventually it's just going to be like, oh yeah, that thing, like, well, like, uh, I mean, yeah, it's worthless. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know why anyone would buy XRP. Yeah, my God. Okay. Um, uh, number six, the real number six. This is the actual number six. I had said number six last time. That's before I deleted that one. So, uh, SEC seems to be going easy on ICOs. Now, the funny thing is that the um, the headline of this article that I linked to actually says that you know, oh, they're coming down on them hard. But it's really funny because in that in that article, they talked about the first two or three projects that they started issuing penalties on. It's Airfox and Paragon, both of which I've never heard of, and they ordered them to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars in penalties for issuing uh, unregistered securities. Now, both of these ICOs raised $12 and $15 million, respectively. So we're talking a very, very small penalty, and they're still just like walking away with millions and millions of dollars. Um, They've also issued a a subpoena on salt lending as well. I think they uh, voluntarily returned all their funds. Oh, really? If I remember correctly. Yeah. And then went before the SEC and basically said they're sorry. Please don't hurt um, us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so the SEC was like, well, yeah, okay. 
Um, Do you uh, think that the SEC just had a dartboard with like hundreds of ICOs well, on I, it? I think that actually makes sense. If, if, if someone's if someone's gonna like, um, oh, okay, well, you're talking something else. But yeah, like I mean, if so, if if they are gonna give all the money back and cuff them, be like, we're sorry, we should have done this. Then I think it does make sense to go easy on them to encourage the others. Sure. To, yeah, I didn't uh, know yeah. that. I thought that they just kind of let them. From the article I read, it seems like they just kind of got to keep going about their business. But I don't know. I could be wrong about that. I might have misread. No, it. I, I, I think they, they're like shutting down. It is, it is what I, what I've read. So, okay. Well, uh, that's it for the weekly news wrap well, up. Um, I guess it's that time, that time for that. I see. Oh my God, they're serious. And uh, this week, Mario brings us the ICO of the week, ZPE coin. Mario, take it away. Yeah, it just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? ZBE coin. Yeah, um, definitely. It's, I, I kind of, I want to call it Zape coin or something. Um, and this one's just like a random smattering of a lot of different things. Um, it's it's going to be the first digital currency to change the world, which is it's exciting. The first, it's the first one. The first one to change the world. Um, yeah, because the rest yeah. of them haven't really done anything. Uh, but this one is going to do I, it. I do like their their symbol of the man holding the torch. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's like, I, I figure it's got something to the Olympics somewhere in there. Yeah. Well, it's got yeah. economy, yeah. enfranchisement, and ecology. It's all in, <laughs> ecology. I love I all these things. I, I yeah. love I love ICO. I love economy. I love enfranchisement, and I love ecology. So, so I think what they're going for wait. here is some like you know future energy solution here which it's really hard to figure out what it is but it's uh yeah like when you become part of the zpe coin tmico as a mouthful uh you are directly supporting the research and development of world-changing energy technologies through the gaia 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 research company i think it's gaia yeah. yeah oh it's supposed to be a, yeah play on on uh you know, Mother Earth. Um, right. Yeah, Mother right. Earth. And then it's just a lot of, you know, it's 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 a lot of these buzzwords, but uh, but around, uh, you know, clean energy and dudes holding torches. Yeah, so I guess ZPE is a zero-point energy. Um, now, I've definitely heard of zero-point energy before. I feel like is, is, uh, isn't that I, a I major energy company? Zero-point energy. I, I'm pretty sure that's a thing, but it definitely isn't associated with this coin. It's no. Um, oh no, no zero point energy. Uh, this is a legit thing in quantum physics. Apparently, it's it's the low. It's the the difference between the lowest possible energy that a quantum mechanical system may have and the classical minimum energy of the system. Um, uh, so it sounds like they just found a phrase that um, sounded good um, and just kind of assumed that nobody um, looking at their page <laughs> would understand what it actually means, which is fair because I don't really understand what that means. But I'm like eighty percent sure it has nothing to do with this. Um, and there's no explanation of how it does it. It just, it just says like, oh, listen to this zero point energy is harvested from the electromagnetic quantum vacuum flux field that exists everywhere in the universe. Oh yeah. I mean, just, obviously. Yeah. I, um, yeah, this, I mean, it makes sense that that's where it would come from. I, if it, like electromagnetic fields, they just added in a bunch of extra words for field. You know, I, I, I had somebody pitch something like this to me in person. Um, I don't know if I ever told you guys this story, but you're going to hear it. Um, so this was uh, back in, yeah, this was 2017 when I when I was uh, started to do more presentations for the meetup in Seoul. 
And uh, Ruben had been doing this for a few years and was used to like people like, you know, wanting to meet up with him and like asking questions. And a lot of them are just kind of like scammers or people, you know, a bit, a bit ignorant and have these like amazing business ideas that just won't work. And he's got to tell them no. And so um, I did some presentation on, I think it was on like Segwit or something. And uh, I threw out my contact information and some guy reaches out to me later saying, oh, hi, Mario. Like, you know, I saw your presentation at the meetup, you know, on the weekend. And, uh, you know, I was really impressed with your, you know, knowledge and I uh, wanted to know if I could, you know, meet up with you. Uh, like, you know, I work for this company and uh, um, we, we were looking for someone to consult with, like, on this stuff. Um, so, you know, we, like, meet up. And uh, and I was like, oh, this is really cool. Like, it's the first time anyone's ever, like, you know, wanted to you know, been interested in my expertise, you know, and then uh, Ruben was like, I'm like, well, don't get too excited, Mario. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I know, like, the, the guy's probably either going to be a scammer or I, in either kind of, um, almost all of them are either eager but, like, naive or are just looking to scam people. So I was kind of, like, curious, like, which one of us is going to be and, like, how long is it going to take me to figure out, right? So this guy comes to meet me in a coffee shop where I kind of hang out after work and he comes up and he's this Russian dude who uh, is telling me about his company, and he's like, yeah, we'd like to do an, an ICO. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, that's not really um, kind of what, what we're all about. Um, uh, and he's like, why not? And I was just like, oh, well, like, you know, we, um, you know, the Bitcoin system works a bit different than that. Like, uh, and then, and he was like taking notes. Apparently he knew like nothing about cryptocurrency, but like his company just like sent him to find someone. Um, and I was like, so why, why exactly are you guys trying to do this? Oh, we heard it's a good way to raise money. And I'm like, well, what are you raising money for? Oh, we have a, a clean energy uh, solution. And I'm like, why, why is it hard for you to find funding? He's like, oh, well, well any time we, we show it to someone, they, uh, they, they, they just tell us it doesn't work and they steal our idea. I'm like, what? What is your, what is your solution? Like, is it like solar power or like well, hydropower? Well, it seems like... And, and he, either it doesn't work or they get their idea stolen, oh, but it cannot be both. Just, yeah. just wait for it, though. It's like, I'm like, so what, <laughs> what, what is this type of clean energy? He's like, oh, it's a new type. I'm like, so how does it work? Oh, we use electromagnetic waves. I'm like, I, 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 don't, I don't understand. Um, he's like, here, I'll show you a video. <laughs> and, um, and so he shows me this YouTube video. Which was just like again two like big burly Russian dudes and wife beaters in a garage, like with like a battery, <laughs> and they just like and it, it like it looked it looked like the size of like an amp or something, and like uh, they plug it in and then they unplug it, and they plug in a bunch of lamps to it, and then he's like, yeah, and that'll run for ten years, and I'm like, oh, so you guys have created you guys have created perpetual motion, and he's like, yes, I'm like. Oh, this is quite a big deal. I think you may have solved like the world's energy <laughs> solutions and and climate change. He's like, yes, and I'm like, and you can't get funding. He's like, no, and I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure a lot of governments out there would be pretty happy if you could, you know. He's like, no, 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 no. governments don't want people to have this. <laughs> so wow, um, wow, yeah, it's like I, a very Russian thing to do. Also, have the video of the guy and wife beaters, like, uh, yeah, it was uh, like, yeah, I, 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 it was fun. I'd never had someone pitch to me a perpetual motion machine with a straight face. You know, it, it kind of reminds me of that movie, The Saint, with Val Kilmer, where yes, the Russian guy it. he like steals the 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 equation for cold fusion. From the beautiful blonde, uh, yeah. Um, I guess what would she be like a physicist? Yeah, some yep. uh, what, who 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 played her? Man, she was hot back then. Gosh, <laughs> she was so hot. 
I forget her name, uh, but someone will know. What a great movie that was. There should have been like 10 more of those. Love that movie. <laughs> that was Val Kilmer's like peak. Oh, that and was, it was, it was that very was his, his opus, his magnum Very opus. early in his career, but definitely his peak. I don't know. I think that was probably like the end of his career. <laughs> early was like his like gay volleyball scene with Tom Cruise and Top Gun. And then that was like 10 yeah. years later when he was... Like the end. That's before he like got MS and got really fat. But anyway, yeah. Um, so, so I want to, I want to, I want to read something off the ZPE Coin website. That's a great story, by the way. Yeah. Well, I, I just ended up doing, years directing him to the to the Ethereum community because I figured that would make yeah. everyone happy. Yeah. Um, maybe they've probably. done an ICO since, but yeah. We should. We should. You should find out. We could probably do it that. I, anyway. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, me, Elizabeth. Oh yeah. Elizabeth Judson Sue. Is uh, the name of the what? the female lead? I believe that what? you're looking for. Uh, wait, yeah, are we talking about so. Elizabeth Elizabeth Shue? I think is her name. Yeah, Shue. Yeah. Oh, I thought I said. you said Elizabeth Judson Sue. Yeah, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah, Shue. That's right. Yeah. Ah, oh, so yeah. hot. She's from the Karate Kid, uh, and Back to the Future two and three. In addition to the Saint. Right. So, do you think uh, a, a lot? That's a, that's a that's a, that's that's a, a good hell list. Of a list right there. Yeah. So do you think she would and leaving Las Vegas? She was probably yeah. involved in the creation of Zero Point Energy Coin. And I yeah. believe she was also in the Disney ride with Michael Jackson. Um, I believe it's called. Oh. Oh, you're talking about the Michael Jackson experience? Yes. The what is it? It's like it's like Captain the 3D XO or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. Captain EOS. Yeah. Captain EOS. That's what that was it. And I'm pretty sure she was she was in one of the Disney rides. Okay. I'm not saying it's that one, but you'll find out. You'll be able to find out which one she was in when we get to our recommendations later on. All right, moving on. So let me let me just read this real fast. ZPE coin. Transitioning to a new energy economy is key to accomplishing our mission. Keep keep that in mind. Keep that sense in mind. Crypto, <laughs> cryptocurrency is the logical <laughs> method. It's the logical method of redirecting purchasing power from from the dumb people who buy the coin to the smart... No, I'm kidding. Re- redirecting purchasing power from the old petrol-based to... Uh, this is already a typo. To a new consumer-based energy economy. All right, then if you go down, ZPE technology is real. Okay? It's real, guys. It's been <laughs> done before, and now we're doing it again. So, apparently, they've already one time transitioned... To a new energy economy, I, I but they've got to do that. it again. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is this is like the energy version of Doc Brown saying, "Marty, we got to go back." <laughs> <sighs> I'm glad you at least referenced Back to the Future, again. so that so that like what we talked about before is at least kind of <laughs> relevant. related. So I just think this is first of all. If someone has to tell you their tech is real, the tech is not real. <laughs> By the Two, way, this is totally legit. No further I'm questions. I'm sure the last time we transitioned to a new energy economy was in like the 1890s. Yeah. <laughs> when we went from whale fat to whale. petroleum. <laughs> we went from blubber <laughs> to like 
that black ooze that was bubbling yeah. out of the ground. Yeah, right right exactly. next to the XRP that was streaming but, out there. But yeah. got, you know, this DPE coin, they were there. You know, they've got experience transitioning to new, new energy economies. As we do, extraordinary benefits will begin to ascend to all humanity. That's our goal. So guys, well, if it's going to all yeah. If it's going to all humanity, we don't really need to buy ZPE tokens. Yeah, I'm already going to get there's, the there's, goods. There's such gold down here. Just like in the enfranchisement section, it's like Gaia believes and can demonstrate that unlimited and unmetered energy is freely available to every citizen of Earth. So why are we all still paying for it? I don't get like, how are people expected to make money off of this ICO if they're just going to give everything away for free? Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. All right, well, moving on. Uh, thank you for that ICO. My God, they're serious of the week, Mario. We appreciate that. And that means that it's time for everyone's <laughs> favorite section, the lightning round. I wish I could put a lightning uh, sound effect on there. Yeah, well, we could. We could add that in. We could. Yeah, so, that's true. Right. Put might, it in in post. So, I might do that. We'll fix it in let's, post. Let's just assume it was there. Fuck I hope it. you we'll got do it live. Uh, hope- <laughs> Fuck it. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's uh, let's get into this. What do you mean to play us out for uh, for the um, for the Americans here? We're going to start off with a real question of patriotism. Uh, How do you like your fries? Uh, Freedom or French? Wait, what order are we going in? Uh, Brian and Colin. Okay, French French fries. French fries. Okay, they both hate freedom. That was the incorrect answer. Disappointing. All right. I do. I do hate freedom. Um, all right. So uh, on to a Bitcoin thing. Uh, what fee solution do you prefer? A child pays for parent or replaced by fee? I, it's Brian first, right? Yeah. Mm. So in case any of our viewers don't know, child, child pays for parent is a, is a solution where if you're waiting to receive a transaction that's got low fees, so isn't confirming, you can send um, a transaction spending those coins with an even higher fee, which will probably get spent. And replaced by fees, you just kind of replace an existing transaction with one. So child pays for parent, the receiver pays for it to get accelerated and replaced by fee, the sender does. So you say both, Brian. Why is that? Well, I mean, why are, like, well, I think we need to have both in, in the system. I, or, or are you asking like which one I would prefer to personally use? I don't know. It's it's the lightning round question. You you, you take this where you want uh, it. Fair enough. So so I say both. <laughs> Good explanation, Colin. Uh, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm gonna go with. Uh, I'm just gonna trust my my uh, my core devs on this and go with replace by fee. Okay. I mean, I think I think they're both embraced as viable. Ones. I, I, I oh. like child pays for parent actually. Uh, okay. Just because I, th- I, I, I think I think it's a cool concept. Like I, it it feels intuitively more efficient, even though I know it's not really. Um, just that you're getting two transactions and you don't need to replace anything. But um, uh, yeah, no, I think they're both kind of useful tools to have while we, you know, as a way to deal with the block place competition. All right. Um, what's a better pitch for Ethereum? What do you guys prefer, DApps or DAOs? Hmm. Specifically for Ethereum, uh, just DApps or DAOs. Okay. Uh, I I like DAOs. Um, and um, are, we can name drop, right? I'm gonna name drop. So no while I was having dropping. a beer, yeah. 
while I was having a beer with Jameson Lop one time, um, you know, I was talking with them about uh, like all these crazy alts. It was at consensus, so it was uh, kind of a very topical conversation. But um, uh, so here's what I think. I, I think that what we're going to see is a lot of these uh, DAOs, decentralized, autonomous organizations, what have you, whatever. Uh, a lot of these coins, I think, are going to turn into um, or, or are at least testing whether the model is even possible to uh, have organizations that are, are, you know, have profit, but don't necessarily have a, a figurehead or someone running them. So, and I, I think that there is a lot of inefficiencies in large companies that uh, perhaps there's a better way to to organize the way a large group of human behavior. So, I don't know. All right. I, I'm sure DAOs. I sit down. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Colin? Um, I have no idea. Um, Follow your heart, Colin. I guess dApps, because dApps sound, an app sounds less um, less complicated than a DAO. So I have more hope that you could run an app in a decentralized way than an organization. But I don't have a lot of hope for either of them. So I'm going to go with dApp. All right, well, I think they're both overhyped. Um, mostly nonsense concepts. But DAOs are funnier when they blow up. So I'm going to go with DAO. All right, uh, next option, I present to you with Facebook or its uh, main competitor for invading your privacy, uh, NSA. Ooh, wow. Um, NSA. At least you know what they're all about. Mm, I'm going to go with Facebook. I don't think there's any way they could be worse than the NSA. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with Facebook as well. I'm surprised, though, that the the most libertarian of the three of us went with the NSA. It's uh, I would. That's that's an interesting uh, paradox, there, Brian. Care to elaborate? Sort of like it's sort of like a libertarian choosing taxes over inflation because at least they know how fuck they're getting. Uh, I guess okay, yeah. yeah, but but yeah. Facebook is a yeah okay sure fair. I, I mean, I would say that, like, yeah, you sign the user agreement or whatever, but <laughs> there's been so much that's come out over the last week that, like, they just kind of, like, take user agreement, put it in Shredder, and then do whatever we want with your data. What came? What happened over the last week that I don't know about? It just sounds like oh. more of the same from Facebook. Honestly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like, just like uh, hey, we, we sold your data to... I, I think it, like, is now proved that they sold, like, actual data to... Cambridge Analytica, even though they said that they wouldn't. Yeah, I mean, oh, I thought we knew that already, like months ago. Yeah, I think they just admitted it finally. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, how nice of them. Uh, um, yeah, but I mean, still, the thing is, you, you sign up for Facebook, you know, signed up for the NSA. Yeah, fair enough. You opt in. Um, yeah. yeah, but they make it like nice and friendly. It's like the like uh, cute little cuddly kitten that then like turns into a tiger you know it's like like uh, whereas the nsa was always kind of like fuck you do what you want (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. like like we're gonna find the stuff on you 
And then we're going to so like, send a drone to, to annihilate you. Well, Facebook may do that someday, but uh, Maybe. let's hope not. All yeah. right. Uh, transactions. If you had a choice, would you prefer them cheap or fast? Fast. Depends on the day. Depends on what I need. To get, <laughs> depends on what I need it for. Really digging deep on this one, huh, Colin? Uh, I mean, so I have to choose one forever. Well, I mean, you can really say whatever you want, but it, it's. Well, I mean, it's, like how how you're overthinking how, it, man. It's just like <laughs> how just, cheap. It, well, no, I mean, this is let me. This is lightning round. I can ask questions. You 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 ask questions about the elbows and the knees. Things. I don't think so I've ever asked any questions before. It didn't lightning round. I don't think that's true. Definitely have. All right, so well, we do have a record of it. We, uh, yeah, we can, we, can, we can. You definitely asked about the knees. All right, what do you want to know about cheap fast? Let's go. All right, how cheap? Uh, very cheap. Oh come on, how cheap? Just answer the question. I, All right. Well, uh, excessively cheap. Uh, um, how slow uh, will no, it be? No, if cheap, it's cheap, cheap. cheap to the point where it's negligible. Negligibly cheap. Okay. How's okay. That, how right? how long how long will it take if I choose the cheap route? Um, well, it's not going to be fast, so it like means months? it'll be slow. Uh, no, 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 no. I'm talking days. Maybe let's go with that. Okay, days, but yeah. it's cheap. Now, if I yeah. do fast, how expensive is it? Um, non-negligible. It's it's notable. It's there, there's a there's a there's a a noticeable percentage of your transaction getting eaten up for that speed. Um, if I only have to wait days, I'm going to take cheap. Yeah, that's I'm gonna the go correct cheap. answer. You win, Colin. Uh, Thank you. that's yeah, because generally I realize most of my transactions these days, like I don't really care if it takes a few days to arrive. So I'm fine if the sender, or if, if it's, you know, if, if I'm receiving money, if the sender sets, you know, one Satoshi per byte, it takes a few days, whatever. And that's generally what I do. So, yeah. yeah. I've been sending one Satoshi lately and it gets confirmed like next hour. Oh yeah. It usually does. But I mean, just, I mean, or the hypothetical. Yeah. So what's the hot? Can I can can I ask a, a follow up lightning round? Uh, highest I, fee paid in dollars. That's, uh, what highest fee paid that I've ever paid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that we've ever paid. Oh, I don't even know. I wasn't keeping track of that when I was trying to do the arbitrage stuff back in Korea. But, uh, do you know your number? I feel like you do, or you wouldn't ask that. Yeah, I, I paid fifty six dollars one time. Uh, how big was the transaction? Uh, I mean, it. W- it was a, a a large amount of money for me. <laughs> so, I don't, so it wasn't fifty sure, bucks. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it yeah. was It was when we were doing the arbitrage thing, right? We were paying. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it was. Yeah. You know, I don't want to say it here, but Mario, was, you know, it was how big. It was, was dozens of dollars. Um, was, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So it was. It still made sense at the time to pay the fifty six in fees for the speed, but yeah, yeah. Otherwise, I wouldn't yeah, have done so it. Makes but sense. Yeah. I understand your fast answer now. Enough. All right, uh, going on, we have uh, what's your preferred on sc- on-chain scaling technique, sharding or data centers? Sharding. I'm sorry, what was the question? Uh, what's, what's your preferred on-chain scaling solution, sharding or data centers? I don't even know what data centers are. What does that oh, mean? Oh, the, the idea, the idea of- that if you just like, have larger and larger blocks and you just the only people running nodes are like fucking data centers. Oh God, I don't really understand sharding well enough to even say. Um, so I'll just go with the consensus here with Brian. I'll just say sharding. 
I'm going to go with data centers because data centers are, are real. Um, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> you they're know, actually working. And, yeah. yeah and, and you enough. know, you know what you're getting. Like, I don't, I don't think sharding is viable. I think it's, it's a, yeah. I think it's, it's a myth that they're actually going to get that working. And it it kind of gives you a false sense of security. Whereas data centers, you know what you're getting if, yeah. Sharding is like a is like an Ethereum thing, right? Yeah, well, it's it's the idea that like um, you don't need to run a full node because like your node only runs like only validates like chunks of the network, and other nodes will validate the other chunks of the network. Mm. Um, so it kind of it's got this illusion that of like giving that would work very well. I mean, yeah, like I mean, it's it's you know it's got like you know you know a, a list of problems with it, and then they come up with a list of solutions for the list of problems, which introduces even more problems. It's it's typical Ethereum stuff, you know. So. Right, right, okay. Well, speaking of data centers, I heard an interesting fact that it was taking Money Button fifteen minutes to uh, index the blocks. Now that they're going up to like thirty-two megabytes. Yep, they're uh, oh, they're the ones that are going. They're one of the only companies sticking with Toshi's vision, right? Yeah, they they went SV. Oh. Well, Ryan X Charles, this was awesome. He took a Twitter poll, uh, which he like. So obviously he put it on his Twitter feed, but he then talked about like how great it was that like a bunch of people that he got a lot of participants in the poll, the poll told it was like 60, like 66, 33. So two thirds, one third for ABC. And then like two days later he comes out and like, Hey, we're going with Satoshi vision. Cause I think Craig Wright is the real Satoshi. <laughs> Well, I mean, except it was a non-binary poll. Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, fair enough. But then, like, why have the poll? It's, uh, <laughs> I, well, I mean, I guess just hoping that it would affirm his uh, uh, his leanings. But and why leave it up? Why not delete it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> All right, uh, so we got next one. Uh, moving away from cryptocurrency for a bit, gold or property. 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 Well, you can't make a necklace out of property if if, well, if the value crashes. You can't make it. Yeah, no, I go with property as well. I think gold is super overrated. Um, but nice. <laughs> I'm glad we agree on that one. Uh, funny, yeah. funny coming from a a, a, a Bitcoin. I uh, yeah. Or, well, or I mean, a group well, you guys know me. I I did not really come from the kind of Austrian economics end of things. I just sort of wandered in because I was. Like arguing people and computers, and and uh, it turns out I fit kind of well in here. But yeah, um, no, definitely property though. I think is yeah, obvious reasons. All right, uh, horror or comedy? Oh, comedy, comedy, one hundred percent. Comedy, easy, nice. I kind of fail. I, when I was writing that, I was like, I, I kind of debated taking it down because I was pretty sure that you guys would go with comedy. Because I think the only movies you guys have ever recommended for me have been comedies, and they've and they've, <laughs> they've been eyed. They've been eyed. Um, that was that Canadian or uh, was the I? Yeah, I, 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 I don't think that's Canadian. I is is I <laughs> Canadian? <laughs> it sounds like a. <laughs> it's not Canadian. No, it sounded strange. It's okay. um, weird. That sure. Yeah, I mean that that might just be me, but yeah. Okay. Uh, final one, uh, bear market or bull market? Oh, man, this one's tough. Uh, I, 
I refuse to answer this question. What? I, Why? I'm going. I'm going bull market, but I, I have really enjoyed this bear market. All right, gone in, in a in a weird oh, yeah. way. Oh, in, a, in what, what kind of a weird way? I feel like so much has gotten done on like right? the development. I, I am more excited about Bitcoin right now than I have ever have been. And like looking at what Bitcoin can do today versus what it can do a year ago, which is interesting. We you brought up earlier that we're, you know, I don't know, eleven months from the all time high, so all, almost a year out. Um, man, so much has happened. Um, all right, so we I'm excited. For the bear market, Colin. This is why I refuse to. I mean, like, okay, if I could choose between permanent bear or permanent bull, then of course I'll choose permanent bull market. Well, no, like, just, that's not, just which, which do you prefer? They're both going to happen. Which do you prefer? Uh, probably, probably a bear market then. Yeah, I think we're all aligned on this one. I, I think the bear markets are great. Um, yeah, you don't have they don't have lots of bullshit distracting. You don't have like nasty incentives like you do in bull markets. Yeah, I mean, well, yes, some of those, but uh, (laughs) yeah, but not not nearly the same kind of nasty incentives. And and the people who stick around are generally, you know, you you get um, well, you 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 save us to anyone who runs a meetup. Like it's uh, you get lower lower quantity but higher quality during the bear markets. You know, the people who show Mm -hmm. up are generally yeah more interesting to talk to about like tactical issues, and they're not just there wondering, you know. Uh, which one do I buy to get the richest quickest, you know? Um, Win Lambo. Moon, Moon Lambo, yeah. Um, cool, I'm glad we all agree on that. I, I thought that uh, I thought that I might, uh, I didn't realize Bear Market was going to be that popular. Cool. Um, I guess I guess it's our lucky day then, guys, <laughs> because the price yeah. is tanked. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, quite, the price is down even um, more. <laughs> is it, has it gone down since we've been on the show? Where are we at now? Uh, still below five thousand. Yeah, uh, forty seven hundred. Oh Jesus! Yeah, um, that's real, yeah. real, real low. This is this is going to be really sad if in like you know one year from now, like you know Bitcoin's actually dead, and we look back at ourselves laughing at this on the way down. We're like, yeah. man, I wasted a lot of fucking time. Yeah, well, at least we enjoyed the collapse. Yeah, um, but uh, oh yeah, no things were below forty seven hundred. Huh? Yeah. Crazy. Yeah, I mean, it, it it could like very easily just go to like, whoa two again. This Bitcoin bonkers. Cash fell forty three percent today. What? Uh, yep. Uh, it's at two hundred dollars. Well, I think that was actually Wait, which, uh, no, which, no, no, no. You, you're you're looking at Coin Market Cap, right? Yeah, yeah. I think I it was measuring that from like the it was still measuring like the joint pre split account okay. before. Like it has gone down a lot. Like the combined value of like. Uh, you know, Bitcoin Cash and okay. you know, pre-split Bitcoin Cash was like four hundred something, and they're just valuing the one side of it now. But <coughs> oh, excuse me. Um, yeah. Wait, so, uh, so they're only valuing one of the. One oh, of the hold chains. on, we I, we we kind of got to clarify. Oh yeah, this. I, I so, think I think that most so places I, are. I, just, this is on Polo. This is on Poloniex. Uh, Bitcoin ABC is two hundred dollars. And Satoshi's vision right now is $42, down 44% today. Ah, oh, nice. I mean, that's not, I mean, that's not surprising, really. I guess. 
I mean, that that's a lot for one day. It fell in half. But it's it, it's, it's I find it's, it surprising. It's the dying chain of that split. I mean, Satoshi's vision is done, right? I mean, it's like it's it's over, right? I uh, I mean, it depends on how much money Craig Wright wants to throw well, actually, at it. I don't, I don't, I don't think, know. Is I don't it think over? it even does depend on that anymore. Like the best thing they can do is increase the hash rate, which clearly no one. Like really cares no, like, about like, like if you have like uh, so volume on polo is well yeah it's been a lot actually <laughs> I don't I don't know you he could go in and buy it though like he can like actually sure. prop up the market well we'll see if he does <laughs> I don't know. yeah all right sorry okay. I didn't mean to sidetrack okay. I, no, I, I was blown away right. by that I mean, number I think though. we're uh, we're just wrapping up aren't we. Yeah. Is that the last one or do you have That was more it. That was it. Like, that was the last okay, question. That's that's lighting. Yeah. All right. Well then well, then we're going to move on to uh shout outs. Uh I'll, I'll start us Ooh. off here. Um I'm going to I'm going to give so this is a new section actually. I should explain this. With shout outs we're doing a uh trying this out and it's where each week each of the hosts gives a recommendation. It doesn't have to be bitcoin related. Uh, or crypto related of any kind. It could just be anything we're reading or watching or listening to that we're enjoying that we think you might enjoy too. So, so mine for the week is this YouTube channel called Defunct Land, and basically all the guy does is he makes these little mini, like video essay slash documentaries on either defunct rides in you know Disney World or. Um, Bush Gardens or any of these like theme park attractions, or he'll even do like whole theme parks that are defunct now, and like why they failed, and like kind of like the all the drama like, like that went specifically on specifically theme parks. Yes, only like theme parks. Yeah, yeah, just theme parks. And so he does really good ones. Um, I, I I guess it kind of extends a little beyond that. Like he did the Nickelodeon Hotel. In in Orlando, Florida, and like how that thing failed, but it's still kind of theme park related. When so. when you walk in your room, you get covered in gack, <laughs> and like, why does no one like coming here? No, it's I mean, actually, that hotel was like really crappy. It's like kind of amazing to me <laughs> that it was ever anything, but it was something in the nineties, so in the early two thousands. So anyway. I think you should go check that out. There's links in the show notes for it. And um, I've like watched all of them. He does seasons and he's on the second season now. And specifically the episodes on the uh, Disneyland like submarine rides that eventually became, I think, 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. But before that, it was just like a submarine adventure. Like this ride goes back to like the 50s when Disneyland opened. And it's just a fascinating history of that ride. So go check that out. I think I think you'll really enjoy it. If you kind of like sort of, I don't know, there's something about defunct amusement parks that just fascinates me, especially when they're abandoned and they just sit there for years. It's like this place that was meant to be fun and family-oriented and like adventurous, and it just becomes this like decaying crap hole. And I just find that like juxtaposition really interesting. And that's what happens to a lot of these theme parks. They just sit there because no one wants to buy it because it would cost so much to remove all the all the rides there that it's just not even worth owning anymore. So that's kind of interesting. So go check that out. Brian? Well, since uh, Thanksgiving's coming up, I have to make a plug here for uh, 
if you want a juicy, delicious turkey, you need to be frying it and not <laughs> baking it. Mm-hmm. If you're putting your turkey in an oven, mm. you're committing a mortal sin. You're already doing it and wrong. And it's not, it's not going to taste good. No. It's going to be dry. Oh, yeah. And you're going to complain about yep. it and be like, oh, oh, like everybody, why do we got to have turkey? Why can't we have, well, what you need to be doing instead is putting your turkey in a deep fryer yeah. and frying yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And you got to inject it with those Cajun spices as well. So it's nice right. and spicy yeah. and rub it with those spices. And here's the other thing about frying a turkey. It doesn't take six hours. It doesn't take three hours. It doesn't take two hours. It takes 45 minutes to fry a turkey. Right. And it tastes 100 times better than it will in the oven. Stop. Stop. I agree. Stop Stop baking your turkey. Just stop. So the one public service announcement we need to make about this is you need to make sure that it's completely thawed mm, first. Yes. So, um, so you don't burn your house don't, down. Don't burn your house down. Uh, or even worse than that, uh, you know, completely destroy your turkey. Mm, yeah, um, that's worse. So have a have a good turkey and a whole house for your Thanksgiving. Yeah. So do it right. Yeah. Um, make sure it's thawed. Be safe about it, but fry it. Yes, hundred percent. I agree. Right. Good recommendation. I also plus one and uh, approve of this this recommendation as well. What about you, Mario? Uh, yeah, bring it back to uh, to the Bitcoin side of things. I'm going to recommend an article, um, and I posted this one in our Bitcoin discussion, our subreddit, um, and this is by uh, Nathaniel Whitmore and Clay Collins, and it's Crypto Market Cap: A Review and Survey of Emerging Alternatives. And uh, most of this is uh, is kind of a look into why market cap is like a garbage metric for cryptocurrencies. And uh, it kind of we're stuck with it for the time being, but there's a ton of problems with it. And uh, people have started to poke around for different alternatives, and they explore a few of these at the end. Um, things like uh, things like fully diluted market cap or um, realized cap, and uh, these other these other concepts. I think realized cap is a really cool idea. And uh, Nick Carter, I mentioned him twice today, um, uh, presented on this at Baltic Honey Badger. Uh, but yeah, so the article is uh, Crypto Market Cap, an in-depth review of s- and survey of emerging alternatives. And uh, yeah, we'll drop a link for you. But uh, yeah, I recommend, uh, yeah, take 10, 15 minutes aside and give it a read. And uh, so we can move away from <laughs> that awful gameable metric. Right. Yeah, I ran into a problem with this today, actually. So I was in my MBA class and, you know, people know that I'm about the Bitcoin there. So they were kind of asking me like what I thought about the price. And, and so then this one guy, and these are all, you know, smart people. Um, but he's like, well, you know, what I just don't get is, you know, a year ago or so the market cap for all crypto was like a trillion dollars. And right now it's less than 200 billion. So like, all that money just left the, like, where did all that money go? Mm. And and it took me a while to, like, kind of, I had, I had to go through several examples about how, like, no, no, like, that amount of money doesn't have to leave. It's not that, like, pe- like it's not deposits and people took those deposits out of the bank of crypto. Like, 
it could be created out of nowhere just on one transaction yep. and then, you know, double the next transaction and then go to zero on the next transaction. And really only like a thousand dollars has changed hands this entire time. It's just completely arbitrary. So yeah, go give that a read. Um, I'm sure Nick Carter will, uh, be a great guide for that, and uh, uh, yeah, I'll give it a read yeah, he, too. He, so he thanks didn't for the actually, uh, Write the article. He, I think he oh. and uh, I forget someone else. I came up with realized cap, but um, which is just one of the kind of uh, uh, alternatives explored at the end. Um, the the actual authors of this one are um, are uh, Nathaniel Whitmore and Clay Collins. But yeah. okay, thanks, Mario. Very good, very good. All right, guys. Well. Um, Thanks for listening. Of course, um, you can find show notes for this episode as well as all the others on unhashpodcast.com. So if there's anything in here that you wanted to read up more about, well, we have all the notes uh, and links there. And um, let's see. Playing us out today is the mumbling Bitcoin explanation from ClickHole. <laughs> so I hope you enjoy that. It's a classic. And uh, if you have any recommendations for us, if you have any questions, hit us up at unhashed, or uh, what is it? Mailbag at unhashedpodcast.com. So we'd love to hear your questions. We can get to them on the show. And with that, we thank you. And uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the Unhashed Podcast, the show where we bring crypto down to earth and cut through all the blockchain bullshit. We love you and bid you adieu. Goodbye. What is Bitcoin? Bitcoin is a here pair digital currency. It's a novice and decentralized. It's like being able to teleport money to anyone across the world. <laughs> no, nothing is actually being teleported. So we have made millions of computers to track each and every Bitcoin on a public ledger called the blockchain. When you want to send someone a Bitcoin, you probably announce that your account is sending a Bitcoin to the recipient's account. Since the leverage is a public record, everyone knows Bitcoins are associated with each account and prevents anyone from spending money that isn't there. In the old days, you have banks to hold on for money, and then you keep it locked up, make sure bandits didn't ride off with it. <laughs> Since Bitcoin the only existence of record on the blockchain, there's nothing to keep banks in the guard. All that matters is your private key, the crystal Catholic cuthbert that you access your account and save money from. Vince Clortho, key master of Gozer. As long as your account is key, no one can steal our Bitcoins and you're sent from anywhere. That's why Bitcoin is attracted to amazing players. Problem with Sachs, Microsoft, even the Winklevoss twins. Want to try out Bitcoin for yourself? Sound like one. Same way, it brings a digital currency for machines like Coinbase. And don't worry, say so US dollars, at least for now.